So a couple of days ago, I got a message from one of our friends here saying he needs an immediate guidance uh, because he just said that. And then I said, yeah, let's talk. And he called me. He called me and he said, you know, uh, the problem is there are two doors of opportunities that have opened up for him and he's confused which one to take. And I thought to myself, that's an amazing problem. I would love such problems to happen every day. And uh, the next day, uh, I was talking to somebody else and encouraging him. And I used that as a testimony to share. And in fact, I encouraged three people with that one testimony. So just want to say that testimony is a spirit of prophecy. Uh, when, when a breakthrough happens in one life in the local church, the breakthrough has happened for all. And it's open for all to participate in that breakthrough. And one of the ways how we do it is by celebrating. That's where we share testimonies. Uh, and that's one of the one of the practical applications of fellowship. Fellowship is not just coming to church on a Sunday. It is part of it, a big chunk of it. But fellowship is also opening up our hearts to one another to know what the Lord is doing in their lives and to share the struggles that you are going through and also to share what God is doing in your life as well. Okay? Now, I as a pastor am very constrained uh, in, uh, in fixing friends for you. I can't do that. You have to find your own friends. I can't do that for you. Okay? I can tell you, uh, you know, I can take the horse to the water, but the horse has to drink the water. So you need to find your friends. You need to find people whom you can fellowship in the local church. And the local church is such a powerful, powerful ins institution and entity that God has created for your benefit, for your benefit. So fellowship, you know, when you fellowship, you get to partner with the prophetic work that is done in the local church. You get to participate. So every breakthrough that happens in the church, even with one individual, it happens for everybody and it is accessible for each and every one of you. Isn't that amazing? Let me show you a verse, okay? Acts chapter 2. You know, this was supposed to be my last verse. I wanted to end with this, but yeah. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Here we go. Are you with me? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Four things. Who are they? The previous verse says, the church that just got baptized. People who just got baptized and who got added to the church. Those people, what did they start doing? They devoted themselves. Say with me, devoted. Do you know what devotion means? Like completely surrendered with, it's, it's an intentional focus that you keep. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what you're doing right now. It's like coming to the church, listening to the word, right? You, you need to receive the word. That's teaching. The second one is fellowship. 
fellowship to the breaking of the bread. Now, this fellowship to the breaking of bread, I don't think it just means communion. I think it can also be extended to fellowship to having food with each other. There's something about food that gets hearts connected. <laughs> so if you're friends, a good place to connect is food. Food is a great place to connect. Somehow, when you open your mouth and you start eating, you're opening up your heart also. So I want to encourage you, fellowship, fellowship with people. Be intentional to fellowship with people, not just to become a channel of blessing, but so that God can bless you, so that you can participate in God's prophetic work that's happening in the church. I'm telling you, if you start doing that intentionally, you will, you will step into doors that you've never entered before. Every blessing that I have received in my life that has taken me from one level to another has happened because of a friendship. Every revelation of Christ, a new dimension of God's revelation that I have received is because of a friendship. Fellowship is very powerful. I'm telling you, it's very powerful. That's why don't limit church on a Sunday. I know that we are all living in Delhi and Mumbai, metropolitan cities, and we are busy and we are caught up and we have so many tasks and assignments and things to do. But this is worth it. If you're intentional, it's worth it. It will bless you. It will bless you so much. Okay? So three things I want you to focus on. The word, which is the apostles' teaching. Second, fellowship. And third is prayer. Prayer builds your personal relationship with God. The word grounds you in the relationship that you have. And it is fellowship. It is fellowship that helps you grow in the practical aspects of your life. You need all of these three things. See, any time you move in an extreme of just one dimension of it, it makes you unhealthy. What's a disease? A disease is imbalance in the system. It's too much of something or less of something else. That's disease. When, when you are healthy, that means your entire system is in balance. You have to be balanced in the word, in the fellowship and prayer. Can I tell you extreme, extreme scenarios? People who are only focused on the word and who ignore the rest, you know what happens? They become arrogant. They're full of themselves, puffed up. I know this word. I know that word. Theology, all of it just puffs you up completely. And you want to pick a fight with every doctrine and every person who does not agree with you. The extremity of prayer when you don't have the word and you don't have fellowship, the extremity of just staying in the presence, staying in the presence, the problem is once you lose the experience of that presence, you become depressed. Because you have not, your heart has not been grounded in the word. So you come to church, you experience that awesome presence and you're excited, but the moment you get out and then you're, you're praying, 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 and you keep praying to experience that presence. It's, it's, like, it's like addiction. The extremity of fellowship without word, without prayer, the extremity of fellowship is you make great friends, but then you start talking about, do you know what he did? Do you know what he wore to church? You stop 
you know, your mind is on earthly things. And that's why church has divisions. Church has all kinds of things. So it needs to be balanced. Word, fellowship, prayer. We need to live a balanced life of word, fellowship and prayer. That brings balance, that brings unity to the church and that brings growth. Because fellowship will challenge you. Because the people whom you fellowship with are not perfect as your pastor. So it seems. Because you haven't fellowshiped with your pastor. So when you fellowship with imperfect people, you, you know, it offends you. It hurts you. It stretches you. And that is exactly where the word and the prayer bring in the balance. Okay? Word, fellowship, prayer. They bring balance to your spiritual life. Amen? I'm not saying because a problem has happened. I'm just sharing my heart out. You know? And I believe you guys are doing a great job. Great job at fellowshipping. Great job at prioritizing the word. Great job at praying. But I think if you can increase the intention of how much you do these things, it will greatly improve your life. And I believe that is where God is leading us. Intentionality, you know. In relationships, man, relationships, it takes so much of intention. Without intention, if you're lazy, you're, you're not made for relationship. Relationship takes intention. It takes energy. It takes strength. It takes passion. Do you want to fall in love with anybody who is not passionate? It takes passion. Passion comes from making an intention. Okay? Does that bless your heart? Awesome. 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 Okay, today I want to talk to you about setting your mind on the kingdom. But I want to begin with Romans 14.17. Romans 14, 17. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God, do we have it on our screen? Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is not a matter of eating and drinking. So it is not a matter of what you do in the physical. It is more a matter of who you are in the spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what you do in the outwardly, but it is a matter of who you are in your internal reality. And the reality of the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, I want you to understand the kingdom of God is not is not just going to come, it is already here. See, let me show you this verse, Matthew chapter 16, verse 28. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16, verse 28. You know, Jesus is talking to some of his disciples. And to them he says, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So he's talking to his disciples and he's saying, I'm telling you, the kingdom will come in this generation. Because he's preaching the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, within reach. And he's saying, I'm telling you, some of you are standing here who will see the kingdom. You will not die until you see the kingdom. The thing is, when we 
when we postpone the coming of the kingdom to the second coming of Christ, we are missing out on, on what we have today. The kingdom has already come. But most of the church is still waiting for the kingdom to come in the second coming of Christ. The kingdom has already come. If the kingdom has not come, those people whom Jesus spoke to, they should have been still alive. Truly I say to you, some of you are not going to die until you see the kingdom. I'll show you another verse. The same, the same verse in Mark. Mark chapter 9 verse 1. Mark chapter 9 verse 1. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. After it has come with power. So there's a kingdom of God coming and then there's a kingdom of God coming with power. See, many years ago, before Jesus coming, there was this king called King Nebuchadnezzar. He saw this dream. And he saw this dream. He called his wise people and his condition was, you have to interpret my dream. And the wise men said, okay, tell us the dream. We will interpret it for you. He said, no, I will not tell my dream. You have to tell me the dream that I saw and interpret it. And these wise men were in a pickle. And this is king. He's a Babylonian king. He rules most of the world. And if you don't, if you don't agree to his demand, he'll kill you. These wise men are scared. And now they are like worried and anxious. And then finally, Daniel comes to the rescue. He prays to God. He receives the vision and he comes to King Nebuchadnezzar and he says, this is the dream that you saw. Now listen to me. This is the dream. He sees a huge statue. The statue is divided into four parts. The head is made of gold. The second part of the chest is made of silver. The bottom, the lower part is made of bronze. And then it is made of iron. And the toes are made of iron and clay. Is that difficult? Gold, silver, bronze, iron, and iron and clay. Okay? Now, he explains to him, Daniel explains to him that the gold is the Babylonian kingdom that was ruling at that time. And then he says, after your after your tenure is over, God is bringing another kingdom, which is an inferior kingdom, the Persian kingdom. And then he explains, after the Persian comes the Greeks, and after the Greeks comes the Roman Empire. See, now, Daniel did not explain all of that. He just said, the head is the Babylonian kingdom, and then there are inferior kingdoms that are going to come. But then the vision is, one stone comes from heaven. A stone comes from heaven and breaks the entire statue that the statue just disappears. Like It breaks into so many pieces that this grand majestic statue is no longer there. Now this stone becomes a mountain. That's the dream. Okay. Now read with me Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 verse 44. And in the days of those king, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. A kingdom will be set up that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. Meaning, once this kingdom comes in power, 
It will not be overtaken by somebody else. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms. These kingdoms as in all of these kingdoms of the earth. And bring them to an end. But this kingdom it shall stand for ever. Verse 45. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand. That stone is not man-made. It's from heaven. That means it's godly. It's divine. Okay, divine stone. And that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. That stone is none other than Jesus. Because when he was talking to Peter and he said, what do people talk about me? And Peter said, you are the son of God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. The spirit of God that has revealed this to you upon this rock you are Peter stone but upon this rock what rock this revelation that I am the son of God upon this rock you shall build the church and no gates of Hades shall prevail against it one Jesus is building the church on the revelation that Jesus is the son of God who has come from heaven bringing and establishing the kingdom of God that's why before Jesus Ascension happens. He tells his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promised one, the Holy Spirit. And what do you see? When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with great power. And immediately, these timid disciples, their personality changes. They become bold and they start witnessing the kingdom in power. Why did I take you through all of that? Is just to tell you that the kingdom of God is right here, right now. Look at Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Meaning, the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. Where is it located? It's not located up. It's not located there. It is in the Holy Spirit. Have you seen the globe? The world globe? Having that picture of the world globe. Somebody from the United States said, Heaven is up there. And somebody from Antarctica said heaven is up there again. And if you see it from the perspective of the world globe, they're all going in different directions. Have you thought about it? See, we all say heaven is up there, right? Somebody from India says heaven is up there. And somebody from United States says heaven is up there because we are in a spherical earth. All the directions are different. So where is earth? Is it up there? Because somebody who says it's up there, for someone else who is in a different location, it's down there. So where is it? See, that's why Luke 17, 21. Don't say the kingdom of God is here or there. The kingdom of God is among you, is within you. Because the geographical location of the kingdom is not up there. It's in the Holy Spirit. Where is the kingdom of God? Among us, within you, in the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, if you have to see the kingdom, you have to be born from above. He did not mean a geographical location. He meant born from a superior reality. A superior reality. This kingdom that you and me are part of is a superior kingdom. Is a superior kingdom. Can you believe? Can you believe that? 
it's not a matter of what you do in the outward it's a matter of what has been established within you there's a kingdom of god within you god's kingdom's reality is within you it does not happen by a matter of praying oh i have to pray 4 hours to experience the kingdom no it doesn't happen the kingdom comes within you the day you receive the gospel and you believe in jesus ephesians 1:13 the day you received the gospel you heard the gospel you believed in the gospel you were sealed with the seal of the holy spirit and when you received the holy spirit you had the kingdom within you just imagine i'm i'm just saying isn't this mind boggling i don't know if it was king david or solomon who said the heavens or heavens cannot contain your presence and god has been contained within you you have heaven's reality you as an individual has heaven's reality you carry heaven's reality within you so it has to flow from within you that's what jesus say whoever drinks of this living water it it shall become into streams of living water interestingly it's not stream streams multiple streams what do you mean by multiple streams when you're working there's there's a stream that is flowing when you're speaking there's a stream that is flowing everything that you touch can can release the reality of the kingdom that is within you see the kingdom of god that is within you is dynamic it's powerful it's it's it, it is wanting to explode looking for looking for an avenue to be released it's not like pray for 4 hours then i'll think about it see why we pray for 4 hours is so that we can empty ourselves of self because when we empty ourselves of self we completely you know we we it's like have you experienced this when you sit in quiet time that's when the noises are too loud like before that everything life was fine but the moment you sat for prayer now you're like oh i need to do this i need to do that i had to call that person oh man so you have to calm the storm within to hear the voice of god so prayer is self emptying it's a discipline that helps you align your heart to the kingdom's reality that is within you so it's not like somewhere you're trying to ignite and you know it's like beating of the drums you know somehow and then you crescendo it to a point and then now you're like in power but you need that discipline of prayer so that you can align your heart to that reality that is already within you because we are so you know haunted and we are so distracted by these external voices even though the reality is within us we are not able to be sensitive to respond to it that's why we need prayer the word tells you that the reality is within you the prayer helps your heart to align with that reality and the fellowship expresses that reality yeah So have you thought in Matthew 6:33 seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness now tell me this why didn't god say or jesus say seek me first he could have said that seek me first your life will be sorted but he says seek ye first the kingdom prioritize me over everything but he says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness another question romans 14:17 says the kingdom of god is 
righteousness, peace and joy. So there is righteousness in the kingdom. Then why did he mention righteousness again? Because he was making an emphasis. When he got resurrected, he said, he told the ladies, call the disciples and Peter. Peter is also a disciple, but he's making an emphasis because Peter needs special attention. Call the disciples and Peter like that. Righteousness needs special attention. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What things is he talking about? All these things that we are crying about, praying about, anxious about. Food, clothing, promotion, ladka ladki, marriage, children. All these things shall be added unto you when you seek first the kingdom. Okay? Now you have to understand this. Can you seek God without the kingdom? It is possible. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means Jesus is the truth. There could be a truth to the Father, but you have one the truth. You know what's a, a truth? A truth is, you know, if you if you go up to that mountain, when there's peace and quiet, you might get moksha. That's one of a truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth. That means a truth, sometimes it will work, sometimes it will not work. The truth will work all the time. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. It, he does not change. He's beyond time. He's beyond space. So Jesus is saying, if you want to know who God is, you have to experience him through the kingdom because the kingdom is nothing without the king kingdom means king's domain king's reality so you want to experience the kingdom your lens has to be the kingdom of god because without the kingdom of god you can experience the king but it's a very frightening experience that you might have because without the kingdom when you see the king he might seem distant he might seem fearful he might seem all the good things that you see through the kingdom, those things will become negative. Because in the kingdom, that king is for you. He fights for you. Without the kingdom, that king, it feels like, it seems to us that the king is against us. Even though he's not against us. But that's the subjective reality through which we look at him. So you want to have a relationship with God. It cannot happen without the kingdom. Without seeking first the kingdom of God in the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Be honest with me. How many of you feel discouraged in your spiritual life thinking, I haven't prayed enough. I haven't read the Bible enough. My relationship with God is not great. I'm, I'm not asking for raising your hands, but I just want you to think. Think it through. Can I say something? Even if you pray for three hours a day, and you read the word intentionally for three hours a day, you will still feel that. Do you know why? Because the devil wants to take your attention from the Lord, from what he has done, into what you can do. Every time, and I'm saying me, I go through the same episode of spiritual breakdown. Oh Lord, I'm not doing enough. Oh Lord. I'm not focused enough. Every time I do that, the Holy Spirit reminds me, change your focus. Repent. When I change my focus 
into what I am doing or into what I am not doing. I change my focus from that and I put my focus on what Christ has done and what he is doing. Everything is set. Instant intimacy. You don't need to pray four hours to experience instant intimacy. Otherwise, it will not be called instant. Instant intimacy because the Father's heart is for you. He is always for you. He is always running towards you. Look at that picture. The prodigal son, he comes back home. He is ashamed. He is coming back from the pig's stench, right? He comes back home. He takes weak and slow steps towards his house. But look at the response of the father. The father sees the son coming and he rushes him, rushes towards him. See, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And if you think about it, every time you take one step towards him in your mind, because he's always there with you, one step towards him in your mind, in your intention to just focus, he's rushing towards you. You take another step, he's rushing more towards you. His intensity changes because he's passionate. He's not a father who's like, yeah, come. Okay, let me see if he can cross that door, you know. Then I'll think about it. He's not like us. You know why? Because he does not have ego. You know, when, when you have a fight with your spouses, you're waiting who is the first person to say sorry. Yeah, this thing I'll not say sorry. Why? Because we are struggling with our ego. God has no ego. So even when you have done the fault, he'll still come rushing towards and say, I love you. Because he has no ego. There's no pride. Seek ye first the kingdom. If you can prioritize the kingdom, what you see in the kingdom is the king and his reality. That experience will not be secondhand experience. It will be a firsthand experience. But without the kingdom, without the kingdom, staying outside the kingdom, and if you see that experience, it will look distant. It will look weird. It will not look appealing. But in the kingdom, when you experience the kingdom, when you experience the king, you will love it. Let me explain more. So this younger son comes back home and the father embraces him. You know, he kisses him and he tells the servants, you know, bring, bring new clothes and I'm going to put a ring on his hand. And then he says, bring the fattened calf because we are going to celebrate. Do you know who was upset when the younger son came back? No, the fattened calf. <laughs> Because they were fattening the calf. So in the evening, the elder son comes back home. In the evening, the elder son comes back home. And he hears this noise. He hears a celebration. Look at the posture of his heart. Because he's outside the celebration, he's offended. Okay? If you're outside the kingdom, you'll get offended by every testimony that you hear in the church. But if you come in, in your groove to the music. That's how celebration happens. See, I, I can't groove. But I love to groove. <laughs> See, you have to be in the kingdom to experience the king. Outside the kingdom, you can judge the king all that you want, but you'll not have an accurate picture of who the king is. That's why balance your life with word, prayer, 
and fellowship. You have to balance it. Word, prayer, fellowship. Word in the local church. Please understand this. See, when you're praying, you hear God's word. That word needs to be aligned with the word of the corporate church. It has to be. Otherwise, you'll be like, thus says the Lord, I need to slap you. I've experienced that. I've seen people do that. That's why we are part of a local church. And it brings discipline. It brings it brings unity. It brings, uh, how do I say this? It, it brings... It brings surrender. It brings humility. So what you hear on a Sunday needs to become your primary food and then everything you hear on your daily on your daily relationship with God needs to build on that primary food. Most, I'm just saying, in my last 10 years of experience in the ministry, some of the most messed up people in the church that I've seen, first of all, the most mess of people I have seen is in the church, which is a good thing because the church is where you can un get unmessed, right? The most Christians I have seen who are messed up are those who are not really part of local church, but they are part of every other online fellowship. It's a danger. Moving from one conference to another for a breakthrough where you can be fed at your local church. To be planted and to be established with the people of God whom God has blessed you with. It's a blessing. Just imagine when you were seven years old and you decide, oh man, I'm bored with this family. Let me just find another family. And you just move out. But that's how we do it. With churches. We don't like something. Just move out. And I'm saying you should be careful to which church you, you know, you commit to. But once you make a commitment... Give your full life and attention and energy to it. Because that is where you're going to be built. But you need to first hear a confirmation from the Lord. That is where you want to be established. Okay? Now it could be for a season because for a season you are here. But for whatever time period you are here and you have decided in your heart, let it be a commitment. No matter what, no matter how much I'm going to get offended, my heart is going to be ripped apart. I'm going to be here, Lord, because you have called me to be here. And... Beyond that offense is the blessing that you'll receive. I feel God's greatest blessings are covered in the gift wrapping paper of offense. The thicker the offense, the greater the blessing. So if you can somehow train your heart to deal through offense, my goodness, the blessings that we can receive. But these things nobody will tell you. Because every time we want to be blessed, oh Lord, bless me. Oh, bless me hundredfold. But we miss out the phrase where Jesus said, yes, blessing, hundredfold blessing with persecution. Say with me, with persecution. Do you know who persecutes us the most? The ones who are in the family. Our family members persecute us the most. Our family members criticize us the most. When the church was growing, where did they get their persecution from? From their own Jewish brothers and sisters. Even today, we are persecuted by our own brothers and sisters. And that persecution will not go. So if you want to be more blessed, 
you need to have a thick skin to endure persecution. Thick skin. Okay? But see, we are so, actually you have no idea, we're so blessed. We're living in a time where we are only persecuted on Facebook comments and YouTube comments. We're so blessed. We're not persecuted in that extent to how the first century church was. But I want to prepare you for persecution. If you preach the gospel of God, and if you're honest and sincere in the message that you preach, you will be persecuted, not by anybody else from the outside. Maybe there could be external forces, but mostly from your own people. From your own people. Yeah? Oh, can I show you something? It's very interesting. Mark chapter 10. I'm just reading that verse. Mark chapter 10. I think it's verse 30. Okay, verse 29. Mark chapter 10 was from verse 29. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now. In this time, Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. Meaning, you will be blessed when you get to heaven, but whatever you have sacrificed for God's kingdom and for the gospel, you will receive hundredfold now in this time. Now. That will no longer, your sacrifice will no longer remain a sacrifice. It will become an investment. Hundredfold return. Can I show you something interesting? Jesus said, There is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, or children for my sake. Doesn't say wives. So, so if you have any ideas of leaving wife for the gospel, there's no hundredfold return. There's only one wife. You stick close to her. Okay? Don't use ministry as an escape, uh, as an escape of, you know, escaping your responsibility of your family life. Okay? It's not part of the sermon. It's just fix your eyes on the kingdom. Amen? See the king through the kingdom. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen? Now, Colossians 3 verse 1. Colossians 3 verse 1. Okay. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. Now my question. Have you been raised with Christ? If then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Again above does not mean a geographical location. It means a superior reality. If you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are superior. That are from above. Meaning, seek the things of the kingdom. Seek the things of the th kingdom. Verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Okay? If you seek your... If you set your mind, and if you seek the kingdom, everything shall be added. But if you set your mind on these things that are to be added, it's like a cat chasing its own tail. Those things are meant to be added. Surely goodness and mercy shall 
hunt you down. Follow is a very aggressive word in the Hebrew. It's almost like hunt you down. Shall hunt you down. Wherever you are, it will find you. It will hunt you down. Goodness and mercy of God will hunt you down. But if you set your mind on just seeking these things, which are trying to hunt you down, it's like cat chasing its tail. You're going round about and you're anxious and you're worried. Just rest in God's kingdom. Set your mind on his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen? All these things shall be added unto you. So I just want to leave you with these three things again. First is prioritize your life in God's word. Second, fellowship. Three, prayer. You need these three dimensions activated and you have to be intentional in each one of these three aspects of your life. And you will see your spiritual life spilling into every other aspect of your life. The spiritual life of God, which we call as the Zoe life of God, which is the uncreated life that has healing, that has everything, you know, everything you can think of because it is the very life of God that will spill into every other aspect of your life. You know, David, when he was running from Saul, he had his group of people who were following him. And the beauty of, about following a leader is you take on the DNA of the leader. Now, David was known to be a giant killer because he killed Goliath. People who followed him, they also killed giants. They were giant killers. So he had an army of giant killers. But one thing that David did not, did not particularly take care of was the protection of his family. So he fought all of these wars, he won all of these wars, but he somehow failed to protect his own family. Now once what happened is, the enemy comes, they kidnap their entire family. Not just David, his men's family also. And they kidnap and they take them away. Now, David and his men are heartbroken and his men turn up against David. Do you see what the, what the enemy did? The enemy studied David and saw what was the vulnerability in his entire army. His vulnerability was family and his family was unprotected. So he attacked the family and now his entire men are against David. You need to be intentional about these three things. Word, fellowship and prayer. If you go, grow in these things together, you will grow in the full, in the whole knowledge of God's word. These are practical things, but it takes intention. It really takes intention. Intention to do it. Just like you're in a relationship, it takes intention. Intention to do it. Yesterday, you know, I was, I was just thinking, maybe we need to do a class with the couples to teach intention. Intentions are powerful in relationships. So powerful. I'll tell you a funny story. Once, John came to our house and uh, he came unannounced. It was evening time. And I was cleaning up the house when he came. And, you know, I, I kept subtle lights on because I like subtle lights. And I lit the candle. And, they, and John, when he came, he saw the atmosphere. He got a little uncomfortable. 
because he thought I was setting mood, intentionally setting the mood. I was not. I just like subtle lights and I like good smell, fragrance in the house. So, and I was sitting there and talking to John. He felt so uncomfortable that he said, I'll see you later. I said, okay, sure. And he abruptly left. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you is intentions are very powerful. The, the, the intention with which you come to church will change the experience by the time you get back home. The intention by how you fellowship with people will change your entire experience whole together. Now, again, let me just clarify by fellowship. I just don't mean by you attending church on a Sunday, which is important. And, you know, the night prayers that happens, which is also important. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you making an intentional choice, reaching out to somebody and say, hey, can we hang out? Can you be my friend? Don't be creepy. Reach out to people. Talk to them. Have godly relationships. Have godly friendships. And the more your heart opens up for godly friendships and relationships, you will see the word coming alive in your life. See, on a Sunday, we teach like, you know, we teach the truth. But when you do fellowship, you learn how to apply that truth in, in your life. Because when you listen to stories, when you listen to stories and you hear, oh, this is how you applied this truth in your life, then you have clear directions on how to do it. Otherwise, you're left with, yeah, the truth is amazing, but I don't know practically how to take those steps. And it is in fellowship that you learn. Yeah? So be intentional about word, fellowship, and prayer. Amen? Very simple things, but very few people do it. But I know Lighthouse guys, you are amazing. So you will do it and you will grow. I know. Oh man, God has blessed you guys. So amazing. I, I, just, I just keep using the testimonies that you share to encourage one another. You know, to the Mumbai guys, I tell them about what's happening in Delhi. To Delhi guys, I tell them what's happening in Mumbai. What I'm saying is if you guys could connect with each other, just hear the the stories and testimonies of what the Lord is doing. And also stand with them in prayer. Stand with each other in prayer. It will bless your heart. Bless your heart. Amen.